My name is Josh, and I am the Worship Arts Director here at Clarkson Community Church, and um, I'm the high-energy guy. I like to do a lot of fun things. Basically, people are like, man, what do you do for your job? I was like, I don't know. It's just a made-up title. I don't really do anything. I get up here. I get to play music. I work with the worship team all the time. I get to create all the graphics and video and all the social media website stuff, so I just do a conglomerate of awesome things, and I'm excited about awesome things, so that's just why I do what I do, and and I'm excited because I have the opportunity to uh, speak with you this morning and uh, preach with you uh, God's Word, nothing of that um, are my words. This is just straight from the gospel. And so this morning, I hope and I pray uh, that everything that I say is not, not my opinion, because my opinion means nothing this morning. The only thing that matters is what God has to say to us in his word. And and so I'm excited about that. But um, how many of you guys watch the news at all? Anybody? I'm sure there's a couple of people. Most people don't have cable anymore. Like I just have Netflix and Hulu. Um, but I'm sure you're online and social media and you've probably heard a bunch of crazy stuff that's going on in the world. And uh, it's always going on. And, and you know, I, I think just a couple days ago, there was another shooting in Texas where there was like five people that were dead and uh, 21 people who were injured. This is this horrible situation, this horrible incident happened in Texas. And I feel like this is just starting to happen more and more and more often. And I'm, I'm sure you've heard about Hurricane Doreen, 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 however you want to say it, Dorito. Uh, it's moving its way up the coast. And I know Greg Martin and our team uh, at Draw, they were down there. And they're probably still down there because I don't think I see him in here. I thought I maybe saw him walking here, but he's here. Well, he's hiding somewhere. There he is. I knew I saw him walking. I was like, where's the bald head? He's somewhere. But he had a team, and he went down there, and it's so great to be able to support uh, a community cause that is just all about giving back to people and loving on people. And so they were down there doing God's work. And that's all made possible because of you guys and everything that you guys give to CCC. You know, we give back out to our community partners, and we just believe in that. And, and uh, so there's just all this, all this pain and all this hurt going on in the world, like, could you just imagine yourself and maybe you've been in that situation where you've been a part of a natural disaster or you've been, you've had a family member, maybe a part of some type of shooting. And there's just a lot of pain in the world. And I know for myself, and the one thing that I, I think I've learned in my life the most, now that I'm 29 and a seasoned veteran, you know, got gray hairs going on here. Um, but, you know, life is tough. And it's difficult, and especially when you're younger, you know, you, you don't really realize that a lot. You know, you think like life's just going to be bubbles and rainbows, and it's going to be awesome until Jesus comes back and you go to heaven. But it's not always like that, is it, right? I'm like, am I the only one out there? You guys, you guys in the same boat? Like, life's tough. We got stuff going on. Stuff happens, and there's just pain all over the place. And there's a lot of times that, you know, we just, we can't escape those obstacles and the challenges that this world has for us. And and this morning, if you are going through any type or experiencing any level of pain in your life, I want to be able to share a story with you from the Bible that I feel like a lot of us, myself included, can really relate to and take a look at how somebody went through this pain, this journey of pain, and what it looks like. And maybe we'll be able to identify some things in our own life. Maybe the goal is to be able to get some hope and get some answers this morning. And so I want to share with you a word. But one thing that I want to preface before I start is, is pain is very real to each and every one of us. And pain is pain, and pain cannot and should not be rated. Right? It's not like, oh, my pain is better than your pain, so I'm better. No, it doesn't work that way, right? Pain is pain, right? It's all very real to each and every one of us. And so today, I'm, I'm, we're not rating pain. It's not about like, hey, I'm going through way worse than you, so I need this more. No, it's all the same. We all feel pain, and we all feel it in different ways. And so the question that I want to answer today is, what do we do when we are in pain? What do we do when we're going through a tough situation in life? Hence, I titled my message today, Tough 
it's been like a word like in my life the past two or three months it's really i like i say it for everything if it's, people are like oh i'm going through this thing i'm like tough you know i just saw so i'm probably gonna spit it out a lot today you'll probably say it going on and that's okay i like to plant words in people's heads that way they can take it with them and start saying i'm like i made you said that didn't i but today we're going to talk about some tough stuff right and so if you've got your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry about it. We're going to be heading to Genesis 29. Uh, so flip over there. If you've got your notes and you want to write down Genesis 29, go ahead and do that. Um, but we're going to be in a, a story today. And I'm going to give you a little bit of the SparkNote story. That way I don't have to read the whole thing. Give you, that way you can catch you up, give you some context of what we're going to be talking about today. And um, so in this story, there's a man named Laban. And Laban has two daughters, right? He has the youngest daughter of his, which is Rachel. And the Bible says... That Rachel, in other words, she was smoking hot, okay? She was a beautiful woman, and people all around knew of Laban because of his daughter, Rachel. Like, word got out, like, hey, you know, you know Rachel? Yeah, that's Laban's girl. They're like, oh, dang, Laban did good. Good job, Laban. Yeah, right? And then, and then Rachel, she's the youngest, and then Leah is the older sister. And uh, the Bible says that Leah, you know, you know she had a good heart, right? Um, you know, you, sure, you've all been there in your life. You're like, oh, you, you know, there's no really good way to say that. So you just say, oh, she had a good heart, you know? And so they're, 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 she had these two daughters, right? And then onto the scene comes this man named Jacob. And Jacob, obviously, he was just traveling along. He ended up coming to some well where there were some sheep and there were these shepherds there. And he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we're just waiting to water the flock. But we got to wait for the whole flock to come up. And, and then obviously, you know who showed up. Rachel came strutting in because she was a shepherdess, apparently. And so she comes strutting in with her sheep. She's looking all fine. And Jacob was all like, hey, girl, how you doing? He's like, hey, on me. And so the well had this stone on it, right? And so Jacob was probably all like, flex, flex. Move this stone here. Water your sheep. Oh. And then, you know, he ends up kissing her. He's very forward with her. He, like, just met this woman. I'm like, man, that's a bold play. I don't hate it. And then he meets, uh, obviously, Rachel's dad, Laban. And Laban's like, hey, you seem to be an awesome guy. Why don't you come stay with us for a little bit, right? And so Laban goes. He stays. Or Jacob goes and stays with Laban. And then, you know, a little bit in, Laban's like, hey, dude, you've been hanging out here a lot, which is great. And, you know, you've been doing a lot of work for me. And, you know, I'm not... I'm not giving you anything. So he's like, hey, name a price, whatever you want, and I'll make it happen. He's like, I'll raise you this. I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me your daughter, Rachel. And Laban was like, done. That was the easiest seven years of labor I ever got. And so he worked for seven years for Rachel's hand in marriage. And the Bible says that the seven years for Jacob was like a couple days because he was so in love with Rachel and he's working the fields and Rachel plow in the fields, you know? So it just felt like, it felt like a couple days, right, for him, but it was seven long years, right? And then they get to the end of that seven years. I'm going to take this off because I'm sweating already because I drummed and it's just getting hot up here. We talk about Jesus. It's okay. And so he gets to the end of this seven years, right? And they're like, okay, this is it. We're going to have this. So Laban, he, you know, he probably knows a lot of people because they must have had the party of the year. This thing was lit. It was insane. Lit means really cool if you don't know that. And they're having this party. It's a rager. And it must have been a rager because at the end of the night, Laban pulls the old switcheroo. Like that's a thing. Nobody does the old switcheroo, right? And he ends up giving Leah to Jacob. And they consummate the marriage. And Jacob had no idea. He, he probably woke up the next morning and he was in you know, that little stretch in bed and rolled over and he was like, ah! He's like, wait, who's this? You're not Rachel. I worked seven years. So I mean, if I, if I was Jacob, I would have went down the steps. I'm just imagining it's a two-story house. He went down the stairs and was like, yo, Laban, what's up, man? Hey, I worked for seven years for Rachel and you do this to me? And Laban's all like, oh, yeah, sorry, man. Like, I forgot to tell you this little important fact, but it's tradition. We can't marry the youngest daughter out until the oldest daughter is married. And if I was Jacob, I'd been like, 
bruh, you could have told me that, you know? You didn't have to pull the old switcheroo. And so then Jacob was like, no, man, I, I want Rachel. And he's like, fine, you work another seven years for me. You keep Leah and you can have Rachel. And he's like, fine, but I'll work the seven years, but I get to marry Rachel right now. And he's like, fine, done, so be it. And so he marries Rachel. He still has Leah. If you're a parent of daughters, I don't recommend this type of fathering, you know, just giving two daughters. You know, it was back then, it was different times, you know, but I don't recommend that going forward, right? So Jacob has now two wives. He has Leah and he has Rachel. And uh, the Bible says that, you know, Jacob didn't have eyes for Leah at all. He had eyes for Rachel. Rachel was his girl. Rachel was his woman. And so we're going to pick up here in Genesis 29 and verse 31. And today we're going to take a look at Leah's story and kind of what she's been going through in her life and how we can relate to that today. So in Genesis 29, 31, it says, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, and she said, Now at last, my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he named, he was named Levi. And then verse 35, it says, So she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah, and then she stopped having children. Talk about a tough story, right? And this is just like the beginning of her life. Like she just got married. She's probably young. And like, this is tough. Like when you're talking about pain, Leah's in pain. Like Leah's life is pain. It's just full of pain. She's not seen. She's not heard. She doesn't feel understood. She doesn't feel valued. She doesn't feel loved or connected. And these are all just natural human, like, th- that's just what we want. It's what we crave as a human. We want to be seen. We want to be heard and loved. And Rachel, or Leah, she's got none of this, right? And, you know, her father, she gave her to a man that doesn't love him. And then on top of that, her husband doesn't love her. He loves her sister and wants her sister over her. So could you just imagine for a second? That's tough. Like, I know I look at my life and I'm like, dude, I ain't even close to going through what she's going through. Like, that's, that's tough. And, you know, as the journey begins, the pain starts to creep into Leah's life a little bit. Slowly by slowly by slowly. And it creates this cycle, if you will. And so this morning, I want to just take a look at Leah's story. I want to look at this cycle of pain that she's caught in. And I want to pull out some things that I feel like you and me can relate to this morning. If you're going through a difficult time in your life, or maybe you know somebody that's going through a difficult time in your life, I believe there's a lot of valuable stuff here that God wants to share with us this morning. And so you notice right off the bat in verse 32, she has, she has a boy. And that's pretty significant in the day. Boys were uh, looked upon higher than girls most times because they would carry on the family name. They would work the farms. They would do all that. And girls were more viewed as property. Hence, you saw Laban just giving his daughters away in exchange for work. And so that's kind of the concept back in the day. So boys were, they were very like big deal. So when you had a boy, it was like, all right, I'm important now, right? And so look at 32. It says, Leah became pregnant. She gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. 
Like, just feel the pain that she's in. She pops out a baby, and she's like, man, now my husband's going to love me. Like, what? Man, she's in so much pain right now that she doesn't even care about her child. She just cares about the baby that she just had. And when you look at Reuben, and when you look at the meaning of what Reuben means, it literally means, translated from Hebrew, see, it's a son. Or, look, it's a boy. Right? Like, that's a cool name for us. And, hey, what'd you name your baby? Look, it's a boy. You're like, yeah, I know it's a boy. What's his name? Look, it's a boy. Like, that's what she named her child. That's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. And so, Leah, sitting here, she doesn't feel loved. And ultimately, she doesn't feel seen by her husband. And so she names her son, obviously, look, it's a boy. Like, look, I gave you a boy. You're going to pick me now. I'm going to be the number one wife. This is awesome. And a lot of times in our lives, and my life included, when we're going through a season of pain, we seek to do something to be seen. Right? Leah's like, hey, look, I, I have a boy. And a lot of times we're like, hey, look at my job. Look at my car. Look at my money. Look at how I dress. Look at all my friends. Look at who I know. Look at who I met. And those are all systematic of pain. And it's something that we feel deep inside, and it's very real to each and every one of us. And a lot of times we maybe, we won't notice that we're doing it, right? Like when, when we do stuff like that, like typically we don't think like there's a root cause to what I'm doing. And so this first stage of pain is very light. Like it's there, but like a lot of times you're not really aware of what you're doing. And basically you're just trying to compensate for something that we feel inside that's absolutely real. You know, she says, surely my husband will love me now. And what she's really saying or what she's really asking a question is, am I enough for you, Jacob? Like, am I enough? And she begins to compare herself to Rachel, her sister. Like, am I not enough? Like, I gave you this son. Look and see what I did. Am I not enough for you still? And a lot of times we get caught up in that trap. And there's going to be a lot of times in each and every one of our lives where there's always going to be a Rachel in our lives. Right? There's always going to be, if you're a Leah, there's always a Rachel. And guess what? If you're a Rachel, there's always another Rachel. That's just how it works. Right? You may think you're the cream of the crop, and then one day there's going to be another Rachel. Like right now, I feel like, you know, Clarkson's a pretty uh, wealthy area. So a lot of you probably feel like you're Rachel, right? You're like, yeah, I'm really, I'm just grinding away doing it. But if you were to go to like New York or LA, you'd be like, oh, dang, I'm a Leah. What's going on here? This is weird, right? So there's always a Rachel in our lives. And if we try to live our lives trying to compete with others, oh, I'm better than them. I'm faster than them. I'm stronger than them. I can do more than them. You're going to constantly try to live your life trying to measure up to everybody. And that's hard. That's tough. And that's what Leah was doing. She's like, man, what can I do to be seen by my husband? To feel like I'm enough. And so she had a boy. And the names are very interesting throughout the story. They, the names speak volumes to how Leah is feeling. You'll notice a theme throughout the rest of these verses that Leah, you know, back in the day when people would name their children, they would typically name them because of something that they were going through emotionally in their lives. Right? And so you'll notice this theme as we keep going. And so she has another boy. We go to verse 33 and she says, she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. And so she named him Simeon. And the interesting thing about Simeon is Simeon sounds exactly like the Hebrew word for heard. Heard. Have you heard me? Did you hear me? Hey. So she names her first son. Look, it's a boy. And then her second son heard. Man, what a good name. Heard. Have you heard? So she starts with this feeling of, I'm not seen, I'm not good enough. 
And now she leads to a, another point in her life where she's like, I'm not loved. She feels hated. She, she doesn't feel like anybody, and gets to this point, understands me. She's like, man, nobody understands the pain that I'm going through. And this is a very dangerous place to be because you can come into a community like this or a community with friends and family, and you look at your situation, and you're like, man, nobody would understand the pain that I'm in. Nobody would understand what I'm going through, and I'm guilty of this as well. And we put up walls. If there was a moment where you could have been healed or had help, you, you, you blow it all away because you put up these walls and you're like, man, you will never understand what I'm going through. And you keep it buried deep down inside. And you put up these walls, which is fair to some degree. Like, that's a valid question. Like, I'm never going to fully understand what you're going through and vice versa. You're never going to fully understand what it's like to be me, what I go through. But what if we came together on this common understanding? That we're all living in this imperfect world at this time, and we're all going through this together. Like I said in the beginning, pain isn't something that's to be rated. Whatever you're going through may be different than what I'm going through, but it's still pain. And what if we came together saying, listen, I, I see what you're going through, and I want to walk that with you. I see and I understand, and I want to be alongside of you while you're going through this pain. And Leah, she feels hated. She feels nobody hears her, understands her. She's like, man, must be nice to be Jacob. He's got two wives. Must be nice to be Rachel. She's loved by Jacob. Must be nice to be my dad, giving away his daughters. Nice to be my mom. And a lot of times in, in this point of our lives, when we feel like people don't understand us, we have a hard time being happy for other people when good things happen to them. We're like, oh, I just got a promotion on my job. You're like, oh, that's really awesome. Why? And you don't understand, and you're so angry, and you can't handle it because the pain is just sitting inside you, eating away. And I know I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. And one thing that I'll, I'll never say when I'm in this position, and one thing I think a lot of us could probably relate to is that I'm holding on to some hope, right, that, that I could turn this around by myself. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll figure it out. I'll get it done. And then watch what happens next. 34. Again, she conceived. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me. Because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. And the interesting thing about Levi, I'm sure you can follow the pattern. Levi sounds exactly like the Hebrew word for attached. Or attachment. And so Leah, she starts out with her first son. Look, it's a boy. I just want to be seen. To her next son, heard. She just wants to be heard. She wants to be understood. To her next son, Levi, which means attachment. She's just longing for attachment. She's longing for a connection. And it's just, just blows my mind when you think about it. There's, there's no coincidence that Leah just names her three first sons of things that we fundamentally need as human beings, right? We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to feel connected to people. And that's one of the things that I love about Carson Community Church is that's part of, of our like motto, our mission, our strategy. And Christine mentioned it up here. It's like we believe in connecting with you and helping you connect with God. We want to make sure that you're seen. We want to make sure that you're heard. And we want to connect with you on a personal basis. And that's why we do a lot of things here at church. That's why we have life groups so we can get you connected with other people and you guys can walk that journey together. And that's why we have services like this where we can get together and we can connect with God and celebrate all that he's doing in our lives. Everything that we do here is because we want to see, hear, and we want to understand, and we want to love each and every one of you. And you could probably think about Leah in her life, and she probably doesn't have a lot of that going on. She doesn't feel seen. She doesn't feel heard. She doesn't feel connected. And did you notice what Leah said when she had her first child? 
back up in verse 32, she says this line, surely my husband will love me now. And then two children later, she says, now at last my husband will become attached to me. And there's a big difference between love and attachment, right? Every human deserves love. Every human deserves love. But Leah, she's going from, you know, I, I can't get the love, which is fine, so I just want some attachment. And what's she doing? She's settling. She's settling for not having love and settling for having attachment. And one thing that I want to submit to you this morning, including myself, is oftentimes when we go through moments of pain, we like to settle for cheap connections and cheap attachments because we're in pain. We settle for cheap attachments and cheap connections because the pain is so real. We just want to feel something. We just want to feel something. We feel like this pain, and this, this is a dangerous place to be. I know I've looked at my life a few times, and I've noticed a few times in my life where I've, I've come to this point. Where I'm in so much pain, and I can't bear the pain, so I'm just going to settle for something quick, something easy. I just want to connect to something or to somebody. And so people, they look to relationships that are just quick and easy. They look to things, material things. They put all their value in that. They look to substances, maybe. And a lot of times we demonize those people, right? But we ought not to do that. Because we are all susceptible to doing things we swore we would never do when we're in pain. You look at somebody and they're like, man, they're just going from relationship to relationship, hopping around, all these fake things. They're, they've got so much stuff in their house. They have these massive house. You know, they're going through using all these drugs and substances. And it's like, you don't know what pain they're going through in their life. And if you were to go through the same pain that, that, that they were going through, what cheap attachments would you settle for? And so a lot of times we look at people like that and we, we judge them. And we shouldn't be doing that because we don't know the level of pain that they're dealing with. We don't know the level of pain that they're going through. And Leah's got it so bad, she's naming babies after her pain. Like, if I was going through what Leah was going through, I'd be doing more than naming babies after my pain. I'll tell you that. It wouldn't be fun. Like, that's tough. And a lot of times we trade things that will last for something quick. Relationships, and not just like romantic relationships, just like relationships in general. Like, we'll put ourselves in a point where we're like, I don't value you enough to tell you the pain that I'm going through, so I'm going to go find it somebody else. And you trade something that will last for something that's quick and easy. You know, cheap attachments, they're almost like soda, right? How many of you guys like soda out there? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, I'm guilty. I'll have a Coke every now and then, right? I'm a Coke guy, not a Pepsi guy. Broke your mind, I know. But like, you know, cheap attachments are like soda. You take one drink, and it makes you thirsty again. It's a genius business idea. Genius. But cheap attachments are like that too. You're like, man, oh, this feels good. This gave me just a little bit of what I needed. And you're like, man, maybe if I get some more and some more of this, I can fully feel like I'm complete. But cheap attachments will never get you that fullness in your life that you're looking for. And so Leah's going through this journey of not being seen by her husband, not being heard, not being understood. She feels like she's not attached or she's not loved. And you're like, Josh, this is great. But how do I get out of that if I'm there? Like, what can break this cycle? Don't worry, we got some more verses to read. I'll show you. Come on. 35, here's what it says. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time, I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. And when you look at the name Judah, I'm sure you can figure this out, but I'll tell you because you all are very smart individuals. Judah sounds exactly like the Hebrew word for praise. For praise. 
So she goes from, I just want somebody to see me, to nobody understands me, to I just want connection and attachment, to I just want to praise God. And, and for, for a moment there, you're kind of like, wait, wait a second. What happened between child three and four? Like, like, like did Leah go to some crazy awesome church and the pastor brought the word and she was like, yeah, praise God. Like, what happened in Leah's life to bring her to this point? Because we don't have any details in between child three and four. And I fully believe that that was there for a reason. And that was an intentional thing that they did. Because if they were to give us a three-step process or uh, here's how to get out of pain and you do it, I, I don't think that's what Jesus intended. I think the reason why they didn't give us a three-step process on things I do and you know, points for me to give you in a sermon is because the answer is not a process. The answer is a person. And that person is Jesus. And four is a very significant number in this story. Right? Judah is her fourth son. And when you look at creation, Jesus came onto the scene 4,000 years after creation. Jesus created the four corners of the earth, and he made everything. And then later on, Jesus comes from the lineage of the tribe of Judah, the fourth son. And so this morning, I want to submit to you that Leah's having a God moment right here. She's having a moment that changed her life forever. And you want to know what's interesting? Is her circumstances and her situation and her predicaments didn't change at all. Like, there's no noting in the story that, like, everything changed. And Jacob was like, oh, Leah, I love you so much. You gave me all these sons. Like, none of that happens. She had a perspective shift. She realized that she can't do this by herself. She realized she's been trying for so long to get through this pain. She's been trying to crawl and get up through this hole, and she keeps getting knocked down further and further. And basically, she came to a point where she hit rock bottom, and she's like, I can't do this. She looks at the situation. She's like, man, Jacob doesn't see me. Jacob doesn't hear me or understand me. Jacob doesn't have any connection with me. But you know what? Jacob doesn't have all that. But Jesus, Leah, Jesus has. She sees you. Jesus sees you. Jesus hears you. Jesus has an eternal connection with you, Leah. And that changed her perspective on life. And this morning, you might be going through something, I might be going through something that's painful and difficult, and nothing might happen in our situation. But our perspective could shift. Our perspective could go from trying to get all these things from our pain and suffering like she's trying to get from Jacob to, I can get all this stuff from Jesus. Because Jesus can give you all that and more. Jesus says, I see you. I hear you. I am connected with you. And if you don't believe me, I want to share some scriptures with you this morning. Luke 12, 7. I'm going to throw it up on the screen here. And it says, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Jesus sees you. He sees everything that's going on in your life. He even counts the hairs on your head. I don't even have time to count the hairs in my head. And neither does Greg Martin because he doesn't have any hair. But that's not the point. Jesus sees you in the most minute details of your life. And in this next scripture, take a look. Psalm 56, 8. It says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. And you've recorded each one in your book. And this book is a reference to that Jesus has a book. And he's recording every moment in your life, detail for detail. Jesus sees you this morning. Whatever you're going through, he's like, I see you. I'm going to walk this through with you. And then Jesus, he also hears you. It says in Psalm 34, 17. 
The Lord hears his people when they call out to him for help. He rescues them from all of their what? Troubles. Troubles. God hears you. Even when you throw up a prayer and you think nobody's going to hear me, he still hears you. Look at this, Psalm 34, 6. It says, in my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened and he saved me from all of my troubles. God not only sees you, he hears you and he knows exactly what you're going through. And God is also connected to each and every one of us. Look at this in Romans 8, 38. It says that I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, basically what it's saying is nothing can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are forever connected with God. Forever. And he's never going to leave us. And it doesn't matter what we do or what you're going through. God sees you. God hears you. God understands. And he is connected to you in every minute detail of your life. And here's one thing I want to make clear and what we believe about pain, right? There are a lot of rumors out there and people believe that somehow when you follow Jesus, you know, all your pain is going to go away. And some preachers have even said, you know, if you accept Jesus right now, all your pain will go away. And that is, that's just not the truth at all. The Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through pain, even though I walk through troubles and tough seasons of my life, I will fear no evil because you are with me and you're going to see me through every situation in my life. So yes, pain is real. We all go through it. I go through it. I've been in a tough season of pain for like three months right now. And if you were to ask me how I'm doing every day, I'm going to give you the same answer. I'm doing great. I'm awesome. And you want to know why I can say that? Because I know Jesus sees me. I know Jesus hears me. And I know Jesus is connected to me. And I've got people in my life and I have a community that when I'm going through something, I can come to them and be like, this is what I'm going through. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? And that's what this is. That's what church is for each and every one of you. If you don't have a community in your life, if you don't have something that you can just be with people, like God created us for community and connecting with each and every one of you. And he also created you to connect with him. You know, pain is pain. And there's nothing that a lot of times we could do to escape those obstacles that the world has for us. But we serve a God who endured all pain. And he wants to be right beside us every step of the way Every high and every low, and he wants to give us endurance. That's a key word there. Because when you're going through pain, that's all you need is endurance. To keep pushing through, to see the end of the tunnel. And so today, I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you have people in your life that want to walk that journey with you. And I find a lot of times in my life, it's very easy to put my joy in circumstances and situations. But you want to know what's wrong with that idea? is if I put my joy in circumstances and situations, my joy is going to fluctuate whether things are good or bad. Because not everything's always good. But if I put my joy and my hope in God, it'll be a consistent. Yeah, there's going to be hard times and it's going to be tough, but God makes that bearable for us. He gives us the endurance to power through that. So today, I don't know what your pain looks like. Maybe you're here because you got hurt by another church. Maybe you're dealing with something deep in your marriage and you haven't told anybody about it. Maybe you have stress and pain at your job. Maybe you have brokenness and pain from a family member or something that happened within your family. Maybe you've lost a child or a loved one. I don't know. And those are all, you know, pretty big pains. You could have smaller pains too. I don't know what your pain is this morning, but we are all connected. 
We're all walking this journey together. We're all doing this the same time. Yeah, our pain may be different, but we have one thing in common. God sees each and every one of us. He hears us. He's connected with us, and he wants to connect with you, and he wants you to connect with other people to go on that journey with you. 